Welcome to the Growing Rural Podcast, where we focus on all things rural in South Carolina. We will discuss topics on healthcare, economy, education, and the unique culture that is our rural state. This podcast is supported by the South Carolina Center for Rural and Primary Healthcare. Please join us for today's topic. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Growing Rural Podcast. I'm your host for this episode, Dr. Megan Weiss. Today, we're talking with the South Carolina Center for Fathers and Families, and also with the Man to Man Fatherhood Initiative. With me today are Mark Himes, Program Manager with the Center for Fathers and Families, and Derek Dees, the Executive Director of Man to Man. Thank you both for being here with me. Thank you. Thank you. Well, to start off, um, I'd like to give you guys the opportunity to tell um, me and our listeners all about what is a fatherhood initiative. Um, you know, what what is the work with you do? Tell us more about the center and man to man and and the work. Sure. So I, I can start with the center. So the Center for Fathers and Families was actually founded in the early 2000s um, by the Sisters of Charity Foundation, which is actually a ministry that started in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, here in Columbia, many many people are familiar with Providence Hospital. They also founded Providence Hospital many years ago. Um, but they're always focused on children and health and, and eliminating poverty. And so in the late 90s, they decided they wanted to address poverty and looked, you know, at the landscape and saw that there were a lot of services for children, a lot of services for mothers, but there was nothing for fathers. And and w- w- even with further evidence, there is such a huge impact with fatherlessness. They felt like there was a need to start programs and services for fathers. So it started as a series of grants in the late 90s. Um, those grants then we you know were successful they said hey let's let's continue this work and and uh then form the center to carry out the work and and continue the funding and the resources to help sustain those fatherhood programs throughout the state um currently there are six programs or organizations throughout the state there's the upstate fatherhood coalition which serves the upstate obviously uh the midlands fatherhood which serves the midlands area uh a father's way which serves lancaster and york county um, Man to Man, which you'll hear about later, is in the PD area. A Father's Place, which is in the Myrtle Beach, Georgetown area. And then the Low Country is served by Father to Father. And they, and again, they just a, it's a statewide network of fatherhood programs providing various resources to help men be better, better fathers. And tell me a little bit more about the importance of working with fathers. As you said, you know, there's been a lot of work and we always hear about mothers and babies and all that. We don't always um, sometimes hear about um fathers and, and fatherhood in, in the positive needs and ways of the work that you do. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? Absolutely. I, you know, I could list statistic after statistic that shows the impact of a father not being inf- involved. Right now we have a an awareness campaign called The Dad Facts. If you go to, to thedadfacts.com, you can see a list of those uh, statistics. You know, if, if fathers aren't involved, all the the negative uh, behaviors and statistics go up, whether that's delinquency, whether that's early pregnancy, uh, children with fathers get better grades. I mean, there's just a list of things that that are impacted by that uh, by that statistic. I, I was we we've done some work in the prison, and I was I recall being there and, and asking these men, you know, how many of you had a, a, an active father? And probably 80 to 90 percent of them raised their hand that, saying they did not have a father in their life. And statistically, uh, over 80 percent of the people in, in prison are, are there that are there don't have a father in their life. So it's a huge, uh, 
huge issue. And, and the key is we haven't done a lot to address it. We're not we, we expect men to kind of pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. Uh, but a lot of them can. You know, we, we often in fatherhood talk about uh, men not being dead, not being dead beat, but dead broken. So they don't have the resources. They don't have the the know how. Many of them don't have fathers in their lives themselves. So we're expecting them to do something that they really don't have the tools or resources or understanding to do. Thank you for sharing that. So Man to Man is one of um, the fatherhood initiative programs. Can you tell me a little bit more about that, Derek, and um, a little bit about Man to Man and the counties you serve too, of course. Absolutely. Um, we've actually been in business ever since 2000. Uh, and as Mark said, uh, the center was looking with Sister Charity, was, were looking for a way to address uh, father absence as a root cause of poverty. And we were we got funded in 2000, and ever since we've been seeing men understanding the need to be involved with their children's lives. Uh, we have men that have not been fathered themselves. So when children are born, we don't get an instruction book say, "Hey, this is how you parent." And so having to go against the myth and the norms that men don't want to be involved. Some do. Some lack the skills. Some lack the resources because you're dealing with systemic issues. And uh, one of the systemic issues that fathers find on the other side of the track is child support. Not understand. Understanding uh, how to pay the child support when I'm unemployed or underemployed. So we 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 and back in 2000 we were funded. Uh, we have served uh, every year. We average anywhere between 300 to 450 men, uh, and these men come from uh, different sectors. Uh, we have men that come uh, maybe behind in child support. So we have what we call alternatives to incarceration. So if a, a man is brought before the judge can't pay the child support rather than put him back in jail where our taxes will continue to pay for it and the meter is moving up so to speak so when he gets out he has more on his arrears so send him to us he comes to us now he has an opportunity to become gainfully employed we enroll in what we call um boot camp for dads employment boot camp this is where he comes and it has simulated a, a work week of coming to work on time what does that look like what is what do employers expect um, how to 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 really create a sellable resume? You have to market yourself. Many of these guys never had a resume done before, uh, so they wonder why they get turned down for certain jobs. Um, how to address areas on the record uh, and spongement? Uh, so we do these things, and we at the end of the week we have an employer there to look at our guys. We call it our graduation to look at our guys and see if there's someone that that a guy that fits uh, the needs of your uh, company. But also, the young man gets chance to uh, hear what that company expects. What are they looking for in a person? So the guys get chance to prep themselves. After attending an employment workshop, he has to complete three components. Three, these three areas we, we call our core issues. Uh, we feel as though if we can help a man with healthy relationships, parenting, and economic stability, that we will address father absence from a holistic standpoint. Many people say we have a father program, but it's more of fatherhood activities. But these men have some areas that they have to target in order to help them to be uh, holistically addressed in order to meet those needs. And these needs, once met, these needs pass down from generation to generation. 
Now I can show my son how to be a good parent, how to have a healthy relationship, because a lot of these fathers are non-custodial, so they're not in the homes. But how do I parent being outside the home? What does that look like? How do I maintain a good relationship once me and my significant others have chose two different paths? And we've seen that a lot. So we were able to help men in these areas uh, to help them be involved dads. How do the fathers come to you? How do you do you go and find the fathers and convince them to participate? Or are they coming to you? How does that work? There are a couple paths to us. Uh, one of the paths is uh, through court. Uh, a father's ruled in to come to court because he had not paid a child support, or it could be he's having the rule established. In other words, the, the, he's, he gets the letter in the mail said, hey, uh, we need to co- you to come to court to see how much do you have to pay in child support. Uh, but more, more than likely, it's, it's usually when a father's already gotten behind. Now he comes to court. Now the judge has an option. Do I send this guy back to jail that he, and, and becomes a revolving cycle? Or do, we have, do I give him a shot and send him to the fatherhood uh, uh, agency? Once he comes to us, we will enroll him. So that's one way. Another way is through voluntary. Uh, some of our greatest recruiters are fathers that have been enrolled. So they may have they may know of a guy that's been in the same situation that they have. You know, hey, this 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 agency helped me out. I didn't have a job. I, I needed help with visitation. Come check these guys out. And they come and they, we enroll them and, and, and see the same level of transformation. Another way that we've seen guys come through our program of Fathers Come is through uh, Department of Social Services. Uh, we have uh, they have cases where a parent. Uh, Family has been have has been they come to DSS and now they have a case an open case child protective services, and one of the things that they see is these parents lack the skills and know how and resources. So a father enrolls with us uh, to learn how to be an involved father to satisfy what what the courts are looking for as well. We see many children return out of foster care back with their families because the father got those skills, got those jobs and able to. And that's a huge thing because while kids are in foster care, sometimes they go, they have anxiety disorders or separation anxiety because they're away from the family. If you think about it, if you are a child and you are away from your family uh, with people you don't know for 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 months, many times, and you want to be uh, back engaged with your family. And so we help out with that re-engagement process. One of the things that I've really been impressed with in reading about your work is the holistic perspective. It's not just, okay, we find someone a job, or it's just the legal aspect, or it's just um, the parenting. It's really having that um, perspective that it's the whole person. Um, And it sounds like that's been baked in from the program from the beginning. Do you guys want to speak a little bit more about um, either statewide and also at the local level about how it takes all parts of the person to really be able to, to do this work? When men come to us, typical participants, we you know, all levels. We have all levels of, of participants, but about the third of our guys don't even have their GED. Um, about, about half of them come unemployed. Uh, over half don't have health insurance. Mm. So you're, you're dealing with a, a multitude of, of issues. Over 60% of them smoke. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot you have to deal with. So we want to, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, we get them a job and, you know, the world is better. Of course, that, that makes it a little bit better, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that they're going to be a better parent. It doesn't mean that they'll be able to have a healthy relationship with the child's mother. It doesn't mean that they'll have, a, you know, a healthy lifestyle or, or eating habits, things like that. So that's why it's so important for us to cover 
those areas. Uh, we 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 kind of see it as as dealing with the whole man, the mm-hmm. whole person. You know, we, we when when someone joins the program, uh, we do what what's called a one man plan and and allow them to set a goal based on their need. And it could be employment, it could be uh, visitation, it could be you know catching up on child support, could be having a, a better relationship with the child's mother, with the child you know themselves. So we we want to target their goals, but also hit the other areas as well. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly with what Mark said then. That covers uh, all of it because a lot of men that walk through those doors, we don't know what his issue is. Mm-hmm. And sometimes in society, we judge a person based upon where their predicament lies, but not realizing that there could be other dynamics and issues that hinder him from being a better father. Uh, we've seen a lot of men that come uh, because the relationship has been severed. He's no longer involved in the life of his child. And so oftentimes we find ourselves even doing what we call mediation. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's bring both parties to the table and realize that when you're fighting, the, the saying goes, when the elephants fight, the ground, you know, is, is the one that's harmed. And so we, we, we have to bring both parents to the table and show this is the importance. Mm-hmm. The person that's suffering the most is his child. So we, we're, we're ecstatic when both parties are able to come together and see, hey, you know, even though we go in our separate ways and we, we remarried and we or started back dating, that the, the fundamental uh, challenge is how do we come together to parent this child and put our own uh, feelings aside. So visitation, mediation, employment, or it could be cases where uh, he hadn't played child support in the last three months. And so many times that becomes a barrier. Well, you hadn't sent a dime of child support, so you can't see little Johnny. So we, we, we bring both parties together. So there's so many, as Mark said so eloquently, there, there's so many dynamics of, of, of issues that, that come through those doors that we have to sit down and help him navigate. And Man to Man is based in the PD. Which uh, counties do you guys serve? Okay, so yes, we're based in the PD. So we have Florence County, Darlington County, Marlboro County, uh, and we have done some services in Dillon County as well. Do you find that there's um, any sort of difference or different challenges working, uh, the programs working in the rural areas versus some that may be more based in metro areas? There are, uh, because there's an aspect, sometimes you can set goals at a state level, but there's a different dynamic on the local level, uh, because you don't have the same level of, of resources as you were in Greenville versus uh, Marlboro County or Darlington County, because the, the resources are not there. So helping the guys uh, navigate uh, their issues or meet demands in their lives based upon location, <laughs> location matters. We help these guys also with the information disconnect. Even though it's a small area, many times information doesn't doesn't get out to certain sectors of the population. So connecting those fathers with available resources that they would not know, and those could be health resources, uh, those could be employment resources, uh, different things that men don't get on a day-to-day basis because they're not plugged in. Uh, We often talk about it in our employment boot camp, uh, your net worth is your network. So by them being connected with us, we create that quadra networks that he wouldn't have had apart from us. And so he's able to plug in with employment uh, and plug into uh, in order to address certain health disparities. And so it, there, there is a challenge. Usually in, in big metropolitan areas, the resources are blasted out everywhere. So a, a man can pretty much walk in the door and, and kind of figure things out. In small rural areas, that's not the case. They don't have the resource readily available that, def- that makes it down to our population. 
So with creating these networks, I imagine uh, the fathers also create networks within themselves, so perhaps create um, some more positive social support networks. Do you see that happening as well? We do, uh, because when a father's been, and Mark said it earlier about not being deadbeat, but dead broken. When you're dealing with brokenness in men, men go into caves. We pull back when we feel brokenness. And when you're broken, you, you become a recluse. You don't reach out because you feel like the world is against you. Because most of these guys, when they first come in, they, they've they had engagement with social sectors, but users are going to be on a punitive scale. So there's going to be some resistance. Uh, that could be with uh, law enforcement. That could be with Department of Social Services. I, they, when you hear DSS, they think that means incarceration for them for not paying for child support. And they don't know how to represent themselves when they go before the judge because oftentimes they're on the other side of that. But helping those men understand that these systems, if you know how to navigate these systems, then you don't have to view them on a punitive scale. You can actually put yourself in the positive. Uh, We've had judges that have changed their mindsets of how they see fathers uh, because when a man comes in front of them, they're just ready to hand out a sentence. You know, you don't have your child support then go to jail for 90 days, go to jail for six months. But now there's a pullback. You know, okay, uh, you need a job. Um, uh, where's your last pay? I see that you tried to pay something. And they look over at us, and the guy sees something different. Now this judge is trying to think, how can I help you, rather than how can I incarcerate you? And this is because they've connected with us. We've shown them how to build networks. Now he can go before that judge and talk sensibly and articulate what's going on in his life, because now he's not as nervous because we've already prepped him about court etiquettes and things of that nature. Now when the father also uh, talks with employers, oftentimes he's seen that employer before because we brought him to our boot camp and he's got a chance to talk with them. And now he walks in there with confidence with his head up uh, because he feels as though that I'm not, I don't lack, I, there's some assets that I bring to the table. And you get anybody to believe in themselves. It changes their whole behavior. It changes their attitude. So we, we see fathers with changed attitudes uh, when they go before employers and things of that nature. So it helps out the network because once they engage, and Mark said something uh, probably about a year ago, we, we learned that even by having their boot camps, um, job boot camps, not so much just in an office setting, but taking, to, taking them to college campuses and letting them enroll in those job skills because Location matters. I remember it was one of the fathers said, you know, this is the first time I've been on a college campus and I achieved something. Uh, able to get certification uh, in, in forklift or, or industrial manufacturing. That adds to self-esteem. So now I, I have goals and accomplishments that I can reference. I've done this. Oh, wow. Now, if we, if many of these fathers never seen themselves in a productive fashion because uh, different things that were thrown at them has been dead beaten you you don't belong and you're not paying your child support but once they have a sense of accomplishment we see that now they're able to go out and market themselves that's really inspiring and such important work. I imagine in this work, you know, in the PD and also statewide, that there are a lot of uh, partner organizations that help and are, are part of the work. I know that we work together uh, somewhat from the health side uh, with uh, the ready-to-work screenings and all that, the health screenings that the men need uh, for the employment. But I'd like to give you both the opportunity to talk about other partners and um, collaborations that are made, because I imagine it's a, a network among you guys as well, not um, along with the fathers. Sure. I, so I can talk kind of from a statewide perspective. Um, we all have similar goals. And one of the things we've actually done over the last year or two is brought more of the state agencies together to have discussions about, hey, this this guy that's <laughs> uh, impacting society. Man, I, I can even kind of go, go down that road for a second. 
um, this man that impacts society so much. Um, there's a, an author who wrote a book about about working with young men, and he says the absence of fathers equals the increase of government. Mm. The absence of fathers equals the increase of government. What is that saying? Well, when a father is not doing his role, now we have to provide WIC. Now we have to provide food stamps. Now we have to provide Section 8 uh, because they're not fulfilling their role. And so that is and, and so one of the things we try to do is help other organizations see how, hey, if we fix this problem, if we work mm-hmm. this, get this guy's skills like Derek was just talking about, instead of throwing him in jail. That's right. Now he's not on the taxpayer roll by, by us putting him in jail and, and the mm-hmm. taxpayers have to pay for him. Um, but now he's actually contributing to society, f- fulfilling and meeting a need in the workforce. He's paying his own taxes. So so we're one of the things we really do is try to partner with organizations, whether it's a technical school, whether it's DSS, whether it's the, the court system, um, state other state agencies. And, of course, we, we also get federal funds and, and, and uh, other options as well, of course, Officer Rule and and primary health care. So, you know, the goal really is to collaborate because, again, this this person, this man impacts so many different areas. Uh, We've just that's part of our role is I I guess you can call it a kind of an advocacy Mm -hmm. role to help people see that this is an important issue. Um, And and to to go back a little bit to, you know, talking about the network. um, One of the things I think society hadn't realized is how how much the network it doesn't really work with our participants or how how it's kind of stacked against them. So, for example, you, you have a, a man that has a child out of wedlock. You know, a lot of our laws were formed with the two parent, you know, two parents in mind, which I'm, I'm an advocate for. So I'm not speaking against that. But society is changing. You have having more single parent families, more children born out of wedlock. So that child is born. The, the rights automatically go to the mother. The father has to fight for rights. They have to sign up for the fatherhood registry. They have to do, you know, do certain things that they may or may not know how to do. Um, so then, OK, they, they break up, as couples often do. Now he has to fight to see the child. He has to pay child support and do all these things. And, and the, so the system hasn't really been uh, too, too worked out too well for a lot of men. So then he gets behind on child support. He gets let's say he misses a, a payment by five days. Now he's ruled in. Derek used the term ruled in uh, before. Now he's basically going to court because he missed his payment. He's five days late on, on his payment. If he goes to jail, he, he, he goes to jail. He loses his job. Um, now, again, going back to the system, <laughs> he, he's, not, he's not able to pay the child support. So now what happens? <laughs> Other people have to make up for it. He gets out of jail. He now has a, a record. He now has... Uh, you know, has lost the job or any resource he has available and still may not be in the position to to do what he was sent to jail for. So those are the types of issues that that take place. And, and one of, um, a lot of people are familiar with the Walter Scott situation in Charleston. Walter Scott was in our program. One of the reasons I've, and I talked with the family, one of the reasons they believe he ran was because he didn't want to go back to jail because of child support. So those types of issues impact society in so many different ways in that we're seeing an injustice and all the stuff going on. But, but if you fix the, and the point of, of fatherhood is if, if you fix the foundation, other things get better. So if we work as, as a, you know, as organizations, if we work individually, if we work in our community and Derek can probably talk more about the local partnerships, 
we we help fix the the ails and the the the, the societal issues that are going on. You, you know, young men that are acting out and angry. A lot of times because the daddy's not there. You know, so so if we fix this broken man and and do put resources towards him, we don't have to build more prisons. We don't have to, you know, provide so much in, in, you know, welfare and other resources because we'll have men that take care of their responsibility. Even on a local level, um, that is definitely true. We, we have to engage partners to see these guys, even from a human standpoint. I mean, we've we've treated fathers as though that they were uh, the problem and, and, and the low lives of society because their ability not to pay child support, not to be gainfully employed. And one of the things we found out over the years that when a guy's not paying child support or can't pay child support, he has low self-esteem. And traditionally, we've seen that he sort of backs away and said, well, you know, I can't spend time with my kids. I don't have visitation. I will wait till my child becomes 18 when they can come see me for themselves. But during that whole gap time, that son, that daughter is thinking, dad doesn't like me. Dad doesn't. If I was special, then my dad would be in my life. Um, and, and I think about many kids, let's say that they, you know, especially in raw, small rural communities, the only thing we have is sports, honestly, you know, especially small communities, you don't have the entertainment like you have in the big metro cities. And so from a child stamp, span, standpoint, if you can play sports, then there's special treatments that you get, you know, oh, this is little John, John, you did good, good touchdown, good three point shot. So, but even during that time, you have a kid that sees his counterpart, sees his classmate, father's at the game, and he hits the three-point shot. His dad high-five him. Imagine that kid that doesn't have that because dad is not being involved in their lives. And seeing men that haven't been fathered themselves, so that becomes their norm, even though it is deviant behavior, but that they become comfortable with the norm because they haven't been fathered, don't understand it. So we, we, we teach agencies to see these guys in a different light. Don't see them as deadbeat. See them as a lack of resources. So over the years, we've had judges, DSS, and different people that have started to see these guys in positive life. Also, we partner with the local uh, sheriff department. Come and because sometimes we've got to fix that bridge. You know how they see because there are some cultural dynamics. Um, if I haven't been socialized with this guy from from this sector of society, when I see him, I'm gonna always think that I, I've got to be on guard. So we're working now even to try to bring those sectors together. We've had, uh, we do our Facebook lives that we, you know, in the age of COVID, <laughs> still trying to conduct. Uh, we've had uh, people from the sheriff department and police, the local police department to, to come and talk about what their expectations are. Uh, talk about their lives. Let them be seen in a human standpoint. Uh, we've had one guy, he was actually a participant of ours. And he attended our job boot camp became one of our model citizens uh, in in terms of, I'll, I'll call it A1 dad. He's now a police officer. So now he's actually working with the police department and now he's starting to uh, develop a close relationship with his child that he was sort of distanced from. And so just getting society to just take a day to walk in their shoes to understand this guy wants the same thing that you want. And wants to achieve the same thing, but may not have access to same level resources. So this is where we come in with that network. Uh, and we've seen men grow. Uh, we've seen. And, and one of the things we were I was discussing with my staff that we see in this growing, we're seeing a growing influx of fathers trying to gain custody, even in arenas where the child has been taken from the mom for, for neglect or abuse. And rather than going to the grandmother, what about that dad that's there? 
that has a home that wants an opportunity. Traditionally, dads has not even been considered, even if a dad. And one of the things we've seen, if if the usually the courts ask, do you know where the dads are? And sometimes the answer is going to be no, even though you know where the dads are, because not wanting him to get those children. And we are we're addressing those things, and we're helping guys market themselves to be uh, parents that are more than capable. And we've seen that happen. We've we've had dads uh, to get custody of their kids and are doing well. And those kids know that dad may have been distant, but now dad is no longer this because dad knows that he's viable. Oftentimes, it's market the kids that it's the mom and the grandmas. There's and nothing against the grandmothers, but that dad is there and he wants to spend time as well. Well, being able to provide that opportunity for the fathers, especially the ones you work with who who want to be in their lives to help um, make those systemic and also those policy and, and I guess cultural changes to really have that be at the forefront uh, for the importance. You've talked uh, some about some of the um, some of the benefits or the successes, the impact of what you've seen with your programs. I'd like to give you an opportunity to speak a little bit more about the impact that you've seen you've made both statewide uh, with the center and in the PD. Whether, you know, example of a specific father or a big, bigger picture? So statewide, um, we've served over 20,000 participants. Um, so, you know, over about 20 years uh, of work. So, uh, but it, it, the list goes on and on. Um, just, just helping them meet their needs, you know, uh, whether that's gaining employment, whether that's custody, whether that's visitation, um, whether that's getting a job because you don't want to go back to, to jail again. I mean, that, those are some of the scenarios we're dealing with. I, I, whilst Derek was talking, I um, met a guy. He was, I think he lived in Myrtle Beach, had a child there. Things went south with the mother. Um, he moves back here. Um, can't find her. So he's on child support, can't find her, wants to see the child. But because he doesn't have an address, they can't do anything about it. But meanwhile, he's falling behind it. So meanwhile, he can't see his child. Going through a rough time, can't pay child support, goes to jail. And, and so he's now in this cycle and still can't see his child. Um, so for us to serve someone like him, it's okay, let's help. Let's help with getting a job, a, a stable job, help with expungement. He had some other things on his record, so expungement. Um, if we <laughs> maybe help try to find the mother. I mean, it, it really could be a variety of things that, that we do. Um, so it's, it really, you know, out of the 20,000, everybody has different goals. Some, some have, you know, about 20% of our, our, uh, fathers do have custody of their children or, or live, you know, with the mother. So, you know, we're helping them be better parents and, and develop skills and, and do things to help their child be successful. So it's just a variety of, of things. I'm sure Derek can have more, the, the individual, uh, testimonies. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking of, of a couple. Uh, one uh, that comes to mind, and the more recent, there was a uh, father. He was actually him and his wife had separated and eventually gone different paths. And because of that reason, she would not let him spend time with those boys. These boys are developing testosterone, but also anger because they can't spend time with the father. You know, he was an involved father before the breakup, but now the breakup, like Mark said earlier, the right school to the mother. So what what do you do when you have a father that say, hey, I want to spend time with my kids, but I can't see them and feel as though that I can do nothing about it. So we he, he went through our uh, what you call a healthy relationship component, learning how even though you feel as though that you're not in the wrong, how to be able to still have a good relationship with the mother of the children. Well, long story short, she starts to realize that 
I can't do anything with these boys. The old saying goes, the mother gives the first first birth, but it's the dad that gives the second birth. It's the dad that brings that identity, uh, knowledge of what manhood and masculinity is. There was a uh, study done by Dr. Wade Horn uh, many years ago, and he was also he was talking about uh, there was a, an elephant uh, preservation um, that they had, and and with their elephant preservation, they realized something, that, and and it draws back to the work we do. They realized that they were seeing that they the population was growing, so someone had the bright idea to move the bigger elephants or the, the, the adult elephant, the male elephants out of the preservation, put it in someplace else. So then you have the mother elephants as well as the children elephants. So over a period of time, they start to notice something very familiar that the rhinos and the different animals were gorged to death and they was trying to figure out. They thought it was pouchers maybe trying to get the tusk and everything, but the tusks were not removed. So they was like, okay, what's, what's going on here? And so they put up cameras and everything. They noticed that the young elephants during this time would develop testosterone and they would go into fits and rages and they would gorge the other animals. And they were finding out it was the young elephants coming up that were killing the other animals. So they began to bring in you know, people that do studies and animal behavior. And they brought back the male elephants and put them back in the population because it was the male elephants that show the young elephants, how to conduct themselves when they have this fits of rages of testosterone. And so that shows that we need to bring back the male elephants. <laughs> we need to bring the fathers back in their lives. And I say that because it goes along with, with, with the point I'm making that when these two kids, the 13 year olds were placed back with the fathers, model behavior, the fits and rages stop the anger expression. And so this is what Mark was talking about earlier, that in our society, we, we, we have the shootings. We have we have influx of different things going on. We have uh, kids that are dropping out of school It's because you need those. You need that order. You need both parents involved, even though a father may not be living in a home. He can still have the same impact to bring some of that behavior. This is what manhood looks like. This is what masculinity is really all about. This is how you take care of your families. Take that energy and put it on a football field or the basketball court or or use it to drive your creativity of of your brilliance and foster that, whether it's in the arts or whether it's not, it's, it's in electronics. That man guiding the son of what to do. And we see that a lot in our society. We see that a lot in the work we do every day, that those boys or those young men get chance to understand what manhood. Because thank God for the women trying their best to raise these boys. But you need that guidance from that father to come in and partner, not compete with, but to partner with the mother to help uh, from a holistic standpoint. Because we are one thing about mothers. Mothers uh, bring the nurturing side, the care, you know. Uh, oh, Johnny, be careful. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. But notice our dad comes and puts him on the table and said, jump and catches him. And I'm like, he's going to hurt himself. But what he's done, he's teaching that kid how to be a risk taker, how to how 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 to. Push yourself to the edge. To, to, and, and that is something that is biologically driven that can be used for something positive. Um, and I think because you, you can overmother a child. And what I mean by overmother, you know, you want to put out every little fire he gets into. You want to kiss his little boo-boo when he falls. And that's that's fine. But that dad comes. You can do it. You, you're tough. 
So how does that translate to life? Well, when you lose that job, instead of going into depression, get up, son, there's another job waiting for you. You Take that chance. Take that train. I believe you can be the best mechanic you can be. I believe you can be the best computer uh, software programmer, you know, teaching him to believe in himself. So I think you need the nurturing as well as that guidance and that fortitude. So this is what we're teaching the men. And, and a lot of these men haven't had that. So when we pour in it, sometimes we find ourselves being served to fathers, to our participants. Uh, when you've been raised with a father, that these things that are innate become second nature. But if you haven't had that, you have to really absorb it and how to replicate that to go on generations after generations. The work we do takes time. You know, typical guys with us, maybe six to nine months. It, it You may not see the fruit of it. You know, a tree doesn't it takes years for a tree to grow. And we're, we're growing trees. We're, we're, we're developing men. And so, and I was thinking of the, a good example, a gentleman that uh, named Keto Jordan um, was in our program years ago, Midlands program here in, in Columbia. Um, you know, rough background, didn't have his father, um, spent years in prison, you know, joined the program in his early 20s. Um, ha- again, not having a father, he really connected to the, the director at the time, his name is Richard Barr, who now works for the center. And he became really a father figure to him. Today, he has his own business. Um, his kid his I, don't know, I can't remember. He's got four kids, I believe, um, at least two of them in school or, or graduated. But total different change. But again, it took you don't see the full manifestation of it till years later till you see what he puts in his kids. And so that's really the 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 process with this. It's not a get rich quick is the wrong expression, but it's not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, I was thinking that, you know, we have annual reports and I'm sure, you know, to your funders you have reports or, you know, we want to, you know, we might ask how many men, you know, have the health screenings, are they connected? But really what it is, is, you know, as you're talking about with the fathers and, you know, getting connected to healthcare and getting connected to employment, but it seems the biggest impact is actually the one on on the children, on the sons and the daughters who now have their fathers back in their lives and those relationships. And you, that's hard to collect and put in an annual report, you know, after just, a, we said, six to nine months with um, with the fathers. Which uh, and, and that even kind of one of the things we look at is, of course, like you said, we got a report and say, hey, we did this, uh, you know, saving taxpayer dollars. We saved millions of dollars. By you know, instead of putting guys in jail, bring them to us. Let's let them get services, so they don't they don't go on the pack taxpayers' dollar. We're, we're working with Federal Reserve on this tool called the Cliff. So some people have heard the term benefits cliff. So there's housing, there's food subsidies, there's all these subsidies that people provide. One of the problems is, or, or that we often hear, is that people depend on them. So they live in Section Eight for years. Uh, they stay on food stamps for years. They 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 depend on the benefits. Um, the one of the challenges is there's not a lot of incentive sometimes to go beyond and, and get a better job that that allows you to take care of yourself because you lose this great benefit. So okay, I'm making eight dollars an hour. If I go get a ten dollar an hour job, oh, I'm gonna lose my child care. So why am I gonna lose five hundred dollars in child care? just for an extra dollar fifty a month or whatever the so that's what's called the benefits cliff okay if I get to this point then I'm gonna lose this big benefit so what's the use yeah and that's a, a rational economic decision absolutely taking everything into account absolutely yeah. and so we so the Federal Reserve is actually has it has developed a tool to show hey if if and it's really can be used with policy and with with a variety of populations we're looking at using it for both but if if I 
you know, for example, if I go back to school, we, one of the things we're, we're trying to do now is get more people to get trained. So if I go get trained and make $15 an hour, you know, with my manufacturing certificate, um, where does that put me and what, what, would, what would my mix of benefits look like? And so and this is my, my whole point with this. They showed if, if you can get someone off of benefits, you save any I, I, the numbers, escape, but it's six figures. Um, if I can get somebody off of benefits, I save societies. It might be like three hundred thousand dollars over their lifetime. So if we invest in the right things, then we can help people improve their situation and not get mad when they depend on the the benefits that we provide rather than uh, upskilling them and, and getting them the resource that help them improve their situation rather than this this disincentivizing them by just putting them on something that's meant to be temporary but then ends up being their 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 long-term solution that sounds like a really exciting and, and needed opportunity and, and project to continue to develop are there any other continued bright spots or areas of opportunity that you see areas for the work to continue um, or needs or you really see growing I'll address the health issues so many of our men don't have health insurance mm-hmm. um, of course in in these times you know employers are the major providers yes. so if we have men that are um, you know, working in hourly, some, sometimes under the table type jobs and those types of things. So one of the things we, we're big on is trying to get health screenings for men. Um, again, because we, we've created, you know, we got WIC. WIC stands for Women, Infants, and Children. We've got those things and resources, Medicaid or Medicaid, those typically don't don't apply to our men. So we, we do a lot of health screenings. Um, we also even uh, adjusting our curriculum to address more of a healthy eating, active living Um Opportunities because a lot of these men don't know, simply don't understand. And so even from, a, let's say, from a rural health perspective, the lack of access to healthy eating. With the health care and the health care needs and the access in, in rural communities, what, what are you seeing, um, Derek, in terms of some of the challenges and the areas that we can continue to, to hopefully help and educate? Okay. So one of the challenges we're seeing is lack of access to information. Uh, most of the times when you're in more fluent uh, families or society sometimes it's second nature to have a family doctor or someone that if something happens you, you you have the reference to that but a lot of these participants don't have family doctors or family physicians so giving them access to health information and things of that nature so we've partnered with places like care south uh, that we try to bring that information to them uh, we've conducted health screenings uh, basically uh and those health screenings, actually, we did one recently uh, to cover uh, BMI, body mass index, uh, cholesterol, and, and, and high blood pressure. And through that, we helped these guys establish medical homes, uh, places where they can go and have continual help. Uh, partnering with those health uh, initiatives and those agencies helped them realize that, hey, we're trying to serve the same people, but maybe they don't have the arms to reach them uh, because you're dealing with trust. In small rural communities, if we don't know you, we don't trust you. So this is where the network comes in. We become part of that network. We bring them access to health care, uh, whereas they didn't have uh, didn't have a dentist that they go to. So connecting them with, with, with dental care, connecting them with places where they we can actually help set the uh, appointments because as a mean, and honestly, when we get a pain, then Tylenol and aspirin is our go-to for everything. <laughs> because we often socialize men don't cry. We don't feel pain. Be tough. But because of that, men are dying at, at higher rates of, of obesity, stroke, heart attacks, and things of that nature. So the women are outliving us because we, in, in, in our machismo, we feel like we don't have pain. And if you have pain, then you, you're weak. 
And now we help a man to realize, too, it's nothing wrong with getting health checkups just to make sure. And if there's something wrong to address this. We had one uh, case that comes to mind. We, we, we had a young man and we had got him a job at this industry. And we noticed he was eager to work. He was in his early, he was about 22 at the time. He became gainfully employed. We tra- actually had transportation set up to go to go to work. He worked for about two weeks and he was complaining about not being able to keep up with the work. He had recently got married, um, and this child was about uh, about one year, yeah, about one years old. So the mother left him. So she leaves. She goes to Florida. Now he's there with the one year old, trying to maintain a job. He couldn't keep up with the work. So we had him involved in a health screening. Uh, a nurse practitioner found in his health screening. He's in his early twenties. The worst case of rheumatoid arthritis she's ever seen in someone that age. His feet were starting to turn over. I mean, his knuckles were almost like, and just to give you a visual, remember E.T., but the, you know, he's had the big fingers. His joints were starting to look like this. But he didn't know what was going on because he didn't have access to care. So we were able to get him evaluated and get treatment started for him. So we have many men that are trying to work uh, but don't know what's going on with their bodies. They may feel an ache. Oh, that's fine. I can just take something for it. Then it turns into something larger. So we're, one of the things we're able to do is connect these men and fathers uh, to medical homes, to places that will do an evaluation of screening for a sliding scale scale fee or some of a pro bono or free. Uh, and these are some of the things we're doing. And, and, and usually every Wednesday we do a healthy eating uh, so rather than serving pizza or fried chicken, we opt out for subs and grilled chicken, teaching them healthy eating habits. And one of the things I started to understand is we try to get people to uh, lose weight and eat healthy. But one of the things I started to figure out, and, and this is from the counseling side of me, that a lot of times certain eat, eating habits that we have is tied back to good times. You may have been raised in a family where you do Thanksgiving, you got the hen, you have the fried chicken, you got the, you know, the pork chops. Uh, those were good moments in our lives from Thanksgiving to Christmas and sometimes Sunday dinner. So these these eating remind, ties them back to healthy times and their families, emotionally healthy times. That's why I guess we call it soul food. Right. It's good for the soul. Makes you feel good. But what happens, it, it becomes habitual, something you practice all the time, but it ties you back to a good time in your life. So we, we're now teaching them that, hey, eat in moderation. Uh, this is why you should drink more water. This is why you should opt out for grilled chicken instead of fried chicken. These habits turn to generational uh, lifestyles. So we're encouraging lifestyle changing. Also, with mental health, we uh, how to deal with stress and self-esteem. We talk, we partner with, with local entities to talk about um, addressing anger issues or healthy um healthy lifestyles in terms of how you communicate. Um, we have high blood pressure because we hold and harbor stress. Uh, so we address those issues as well. That way we can encourage uh, this behavior to, to be uh, handed out to the children. So basically connecting with these uh, local uh, medical agencies to uh, offer their services to things that men would not have before. If I can add, I'm, uh, you know, looking at the life expectancy for males in South Carolina, where's the lowest life expectancy? Marion County is number one. Mm. Marlboro's number two. Dillon is fourth. Uh, I think I saw Darlington is, is, is about ninth. So rural counties, lower life expectancy. And, and of course, you guys know there's more to it than just some of the things we're talking about. But, you know, of course, access to, to doctors and things like that. 
but that's that shows the struggle of, of in those areas of of being able to to take care of yourself, whether it's eating habits, whether it's access to to a, a health provider. The, there's a lot of issues in rural areas, and it, and we see it especially impact men that typically don't go anyway. So now, so now, I, now oh, I'm driving an hour to to go to <laughs> to because we don't have a hospital in this area. I mean, there's even less incentive. So men men in those areas are especially impacted by this issue of health. I'm glad Mark just said that uh, because even in Marlboro, we there, there's a hosp- there's no longer a hospital there. So I mean, and there, there was a conference we went to, and they said that uh, when there's a, not a hospital in your area, and you have to drive uh, 15 to 20 minutes out, that the likelihood of survival is real low. Particularly for um, critical events like strokes, heart uh, attacks. Absolutely, absolutely. And, that's, and that's prevalent in, in small rural communities. I mean, think about it. I mean. If you if you have lack of resources, that's a lack of activities that you do. What are you gonna you're gonna sit back and eat and try to develop comfort and deal with your issues through your eating. So we're trying to address those things as well. We have a question that we ask all of our uh, guests who come on, and that is, how do you define rural? Well, I'll define rural this way: a place with southern appeal but lack resources to be able to uh, support. Uh, everyday living. And I don't want to be uh, sort of defining it from a negative standpoint because there are some special things about rural communities. There's that sense of community, neighbor, uh, everybody, everyone knows each other, you know, that small town feel that can't be replicated. So where, while there are some challenges to rural communities, there are some benefits uh, because I think if you can infuse it with the right information, that information can spread quite quick as well and that is the adverse effects I think from what you look at it from a negative standpoint but because of the tax index in small rural communities this is one reason why you don't have a lot of the resources that you have in the big metropolitan areas Uh, but we're trying to bring more visibility to that and people like you guys that are bringing the resources to that we're able to help help turn that big ship you know it takes a while to turn that big ship but at least chip at it a little bit at a time so I think that an area that actually has a uh, um, smaller population, uh, but greater needs, I think. Small population, but greater needs. Uh, and I think by helping to address those needs, you can actually chip away at those health disparities. I was thinking you can think of it from a positive and a negative. And I think so much thoughts now, well, maybe maybe because of our jobs, but you think of the negative and the lack of resources, things like that. But I, I had a flashback. My mother was is from Winsboro, Fairfield County. Mm. So I, I had a flashback thinking of those summers living, you know, staying with my grandmother and the, the community and the, the a lot of things that Derek talked about, the small town. You know, everybody kind of I mean, all my mother's brothers live on the same street to this day. Mm. They are, it's like seven houses all on the same street. Um, and so the sense of community and. Um, you know, not having to lock your doors and, and worry about if you, <laughs> all, you know, there's a lot, there's, there's some good things about it. But again, kind of the other side is the lack of resources. Because um, in that same community, I can think of, you know, Mack truck leaving and it devastating a community. Walmart, a couple of years ago, pulling those, what were the, not super centers, the smaller. Uh, the, the smaller ones, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and those types of, you know, if, if you lose a Walmart in Columbia, Oh well, so what? You know, food line will move in or whoever, but but to a, a, a Winsboro or to a Dillon or you know that those can be impactful things. You know, a harbor if a harbor freight closes, 
yeah. you know, that those can impact an entire community. So the effects of little what what in other places would be little things can have a great impact on a rural community. So that those are some of the things I think of when when you think of rural. I'm gonna piggyback on something Mark said because <laughs> while he was saying that I got a visual in the early eighties and going into the nineties, I remember even in Marlboro County you had Sarah Lee Hosiery, you had uh, what they call borough industries. Those industries served almost like, almost as though a cash cow for the whole community to eat. Because while that money was circulating, uh, mom and pop sh- shops were able to open up, uh, local cleaners, there was African-American run, you had a shoe place and things. But when those communities, when those industries left, it dried up the town because they are com- they're dependent on those major industries. And from that comes health care because now the health insurance from the parents were coming from those industries. So you're absolutely right. If it's, if it's a Columbia, Charlotte, big area, those companies leave, the impact is not as great. But in smaller areas, they're dependent on those local uh, things because now we're not in a, we're not, no longer in a farming society where, you know, now it's industrial and that trickles down and, and it impacts everything. So from a rural community, if those Resources are not there. It impacts on so many levels. The quality of schools, mm-hmm. what you're able to pay teachers, tax base, tax base, yeah, and it impacts every sector of society. So I think rural areas are dependent upon those industrial. But everybody loves each other more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> rural communities, you know, there's grandma and everything. But you have to have those resources, and I think it ties into the lack of health information and health access when you lose those major industries. Yeah, I, I had uh, I mentioned Harbor Freight. So Harbor Freight's in Dillon County, and Man to Man has done some work there. And I remember going there, talking with staff, and and hearing their concerns. They're having staffing issues, high turnover rates, can't get guys to be productive. And they produce, I can't remember, they, they there's only like three of them throughout the country mm-hmm. of Harbor Freight facilities like that. It's a huge facility. And basically they're building one right now. And our thought was, man, if they don't get this right, mm-hmm. they'll shut this this harbor freight down and push everything to Chicago and be like, see ya. And meanwhile, that community who probably employs thousands of people goes under. Mm-hmm. And 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 our thought was, man, we <laughs> these people need to get it right. Meaning meaning the people in that community need to wake up, need to get the skills they need, need to get whatever resources to help them understand that we can't know it's okay yeah it's black biker weekend but i gotta go to my job yeah it's football i mean these are some of the things we're hearing football you know friday f- football derek talk about fo- you know sports oh, being a bit oh, yeah smart. yeah football friday yeah, yeah. oh yeah so now <laughs> and to them it's just okay I, i'm just missing work for that but to harbor freight it's like no we can't get in we can't produce enough bolts or whatever mm-hmm. product it is so why are we going to waste our time here when we can get it done quicker in Chicago, so, yep. So let's let's just take close up shop and move. And and again, that that rural community is now going to be greatly impacted because that one company said, "Hey, you guys aren't aren't doing it. Let's go somewhere else." For anyone listening who would like to learn more about the Center for Fathers and Families and Man to Man, where uh, where can they find out more information? So the center, we have a couple of websites. We have the uh, uh, scfathersandfamilies.com, scfathersandfamilies.com. That's uh, one of our sites. Um, another site we have is father365.com, which has a is more of a participant focus. Uh, we have a map on there. Actually, I think the map is on both sites. But where you can see if, you, uh, if you're interested in the services, you can see where the closest uh, office is located. 
um, a variety of resources on there. Again, we, we're we, part of our role is advocacy. So we have information about child support, uh, custody and visitation. We have webs, websites that stem off of, the, off of those resources. Uh, if you're a young parent, we have a, a website that comes off of that as well. Uh, just a variety of resources, anything related to being a father, if you need it. I mean, we get calls from all over the country, actually, um, regarding fatherhood issues, because so many people don't know, you know, how to how to address a lot of these issues. Uh, we have a YouTube page. We've, we've done a lot of videos. Uh, we've done a documentary on young fathers. We have a training video that that man to man has been a part of. Um, and those are on our YouTube page, SC Center for Fathers and Families. Um, Facebook, uh, other places as well. And our what I call the fatherhood hotline is uh, one. Oh, my gosh, I'm about to forget it. One eight four 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 SC dads. I hope I got that right. It actually goes to my line. I should never forget it, but I'm about to forget <laughs> it. I think it's one eight four 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 SC dads. But again, that's a place where people can call. Hey, I'm having this issue, this issue with my mother. Hey, um, I, I can't find my child. You know, all those things. And they can call uh, and get information as well. Uh, fatherhood 365 you can find us through that uh as well uh but also man to man fathers.com uh the number two man man the number two man fathers.com also uh one of our office numbers 843-479-4177 uh we have an office in florence we provide service in hartsville uh, as well as darlington county and marlboro so once you reach out to us we assess that need and we will help in any way we can Well, thank you, Mark and Derek, so much for joining us today. I really appreciate you taking your time and sharing your experiences and expertise um, on on our podcast. Um, For everyone listening, we will add links to the show notes uh, for the websites and the social media uh, accounts and YouTube, uh, the YouTube videos um, that we talked about today. So please stay tuned for more episodes coming out soon. If you've liked what you've heard, please head over to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen and leave us a rating. If you have ideas for guests you'd like to hear on our program, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to the Growing Rural Podcast. If you found the content valuable, please leave a rating on iTunes or Spotify so others can find us. For more information, please visit our website at sc.edu forward slash rural healthcare or follow us on Twitter at SC underscore CRPH. This was recorded at the University of South Carolina School of Medicine in Columbia. It is edited and produced by Sean Riffle. Y'all take care.